Well, good morning. Fairly weak, but it has been a good morning for me, and I hope it has been for you so far. Charles Dickens, you know who he is? He lives in Dubach. He's uh, actually about 180 years old now. This phrase, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. How many of you have heard that before? Tale of Two Cities, written in 1859. You know, right after that, it's very interesting, too, what he says. It's kind of parallels with America today and our world today. And this, of course, was in 1859. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epic of belief. It was the epic of unbelief. It was a season of light. It was a season of darkness. It was a spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. We had everything before us. We had nothing before us. We were all going directly to heaven, or we were all going directly the other way. Things are great. Things are not good. That's how life kind of is, isn't it? Seems like things can be real good. they not so good. But we're going to look this morning at how we can maximize our life. We're in 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, last week we looked at verses 1 through 5, we're going to be in verses 6 through 8 this morning, and I've got a big theme I want you to get a hold of this morning. We're going to put it on the screen, and I want you to say it with me. We're going to do this several times throughout the sermon. This is our, our thought this morning. I can, Say that with me. I can, a wonder, victorious, see I've forgotten it, say it with me. I can live, I forgot my sermon thought. I can live a victorious life. You can live a victorious life. You, you absolutely can. And you go, well, it's tough to do when it's a, everything's great and then everything's not so good. And you look at the news and things are great, things are bad. And, and so we're going to look this morning at God's word, how it is possible. Now, some of you are going, man, you just don't understand how my life is. And I saw a billboard that I want to show you that may sum up a lot of your lives right now, how you feel. Bankruptcy, divorce, court, liquor. Location, location, location. Would one of y'all catch this? And if I threw it to my wife, I'd hit her, and that wouldn't go well. So you can just put it there. Don't point that green dot at my chest while I'm preaching, please. Sometimes you feel that way, don't you? I mean, and life does. You do have bankruptcies, unfortunately. Unfortunately, you have divorce. You don't have to put the last part of that in the equation. But you go, you know, it's tough. It's hard to, to find the life I want to live. And last week... Last week, God through Paul said, hey, life is tough and you're going to die. And you go, ugh. But he didn't finish there. He went on to say, but when you die, if you belong to Christ or if you give your life to Christ, man, it's not the end. It's the beginning of a wonderful existence and a wonderful new body that you can't imagine how great it's going to be. We looked at last week a radically different view of life, of death. This morning, a radically different view of life. How do we find a great life? How do we find a life that is fulfilling? There was a guy in Utah. His name was Russell Larson. He's dead and his but he's buried in Logan, Utah, and his headstone was, I don't know who said this or who decided this, he got the coolest headstone of the year award. And this guy had a, he had a philosophy about how to have a victorious good life. Tell me, you can tell me what you think about this. It, it was for men, but it could, it could carry over for men or women. Number one, he gave five rules. It's important to have a woman who helps at home. That'd be a man too. Cooks from time to time, cleans up, and has a job. It's important to have a woman, or we could say a man, who makes you laugh. Would you agree with that? 
You don't be making some old grumpy grouch all the time. Somebody make you laugh. It's important to have a woman or a man you can trust and who doesn't, doesn't lie to you. It's important to have a husband or wife who is romantically inclined occasionally. Would you agree with that? Okay. You can't agree with that in the Baptist church, I understand, but you should. And number five, it's very, very important that these four women never meet each other or you could end up dead like me. You can. You can. Laid out the altar there for that man. But I want to tell you, it's possible to find the life that you're looking for. It really is. We have a quote we want to share with you as we jump into the sermon. But this is worth writing down. Your life is your story. Quit making excuses. Quit blaming everybody else. Your life is your story. Write well. I like this. Edit often. And don't be afraid to start new chapters. That's what many of us need to do right now. I mean, you may be 12, man. You need to get a hold of that right now. You may be 112. God's left you here for a reason. Continue to write your story well. How do we, how do we live a victorious life? I want to give you three things that God says here in this passage. Here's the first thing. Live with positive boldness. Live with a positive boldness. In verse 6, he says this, So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. Heaven's the ultimate destination for the Christian. It's going to be wonderful, but God's left you here for a reason. And that reason is not to be mad and bitter because you're not in heaven, to be a grouchy Christian for Jesus, mean for the Messiah, whatever. He says we are always, and the word always, and all these words mean something. It means every, at, at all times. Now, obviously, you got the stomach virus, something like that, and we understand that there's, you're going to have down moments, but he's saying the pattern of our life is that we live a life of good courage. That word courage, if you're taking notes, is a great word. It means to be bold. It means of good cheer. It means to be hopeful and confident and cheerful. It's the opposite of being a coward or being weary. And it's important that you understand the guy who God was using to write this was not somebody laying on a beach sipping a pina colada, writing philosophies about life. This was Paul. This is a guy who'd been in prison. He'd been beaten. He'd been whipped. He knows that he's eventually going to be killed, not because he's a drug smuggler, but because he's a preacher of Jesus Christ. And it's him who's saying, listen, life is hard. Heaven's going to be great. But while you're here, God wants you to maximize your life and to live a life of positive boldness. Look in verse 8. It's almost a sister verse. Yes, we are of good courage. We are bold. And we would rather be in heaven. But right now, we are here on this earth, and we're going to make the most of it. God, in the next weeks ahead, we're going to look at a lot of the reasons God's left you here. We're going to this morning. But God's left you here. And what God's saying you want to have a victorious life. You want to have a, a, a maximized life. You can't be a grouch. You can't live cowardly. You've got to step out and be a man or woman or a young person who's bold, who's positive, and who lives a life of cheerfulness. Joshua 1 9 is a great verse. Listen to what he says before they're getting ready to go into a new land that was inhabited by mean people. Have I not commanded you? You be strong and courageous. Don't be frightened. Don't be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God tells you this. How can you have positive confidence? God is with you wherever you go. 
And even in facing death, you don't have to fear death if you belong to Christ. If you don't belong to Christ, you can belong to Him this morning. Philippians 1.21 is this is God speaking through, through Paul again. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul says, if I die and I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to heaven. It's going to be awesome. But I'm not going to sit here on earth and, and waste my life. I'm going to live my life to the fullest while I'm here. Paul knew life and death for a Christian is a heads you win and a tells you win. How many of you ever flipped a coin? Okay, unless you've got a two-headed coin, you have a heads and a tails, right, Josh Moore? And, and if you pick heads and I pick tails and it comes out tails, you lose, correct? You owe me lots of money, and I think we've done that, and you owe that to me. But see, here's what, here's what God through Paul said about the Christian life, this is, and this is for you. You die, you win. You live, you win. Heads, you win, tells you win. In other words, you can live with positive confidence and boldness because no matter what lays in front of you, you're going to be okay. That's pretty good stuff, isn't it? Here's the second part of living the victorious life. We live by faith. We live by faith. Obviously, these goes hand in glove together. You can't separate them. You're able to have a victorious life because you live with positive boldness. You're able to live with positive boldness because you live by faith. Now, man, I want to tell you, most of us are getting this wrong. We're getting this wrong. Not in the evil and a bad way. We just miss this. Look in verse 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. That little word walk is an interesting word. When I was first pastor and I was 23, and I remember one of the first sermons I preached at my church was on a Sunday night, and I was preaching about walking with God. And, I, man, I was letting them have it. I mean, it was a great sermon. It was an unbelievably great sermon. It was so good, I was ready to make a decision for Christ myself after the sermon. And I was talking about walk with Christ, walk with Christ. Walk, and I just felt so good about myself, and God knew I needed to be humbled. So right after church, this little girl came up to me, and she pulled me, pulled my shirt. She goes, what in the world does walking with Christ mean? And God has a way of humbling you, doesn't he, bringing you back down. Walking with Christ means your lifestyle. It, it means how you're doing life. It means how you, the, the pattern of your life is you're walking one way or another. He says the Christian walks by faith. If you're taking notes, that word faith, is, man, that's a, a huge biblical word. It means to be, to believe in something or someone, but it's more important than that. It doesn't just mean intellectual assent, like you believe in George Washington or in Abraham Lincoln, but that doesn't affect your life. To believe in Christ, this biblical word means to be persuaded. It means a knowledge that leads to action. It's a lively faith. When you live by faith in Jesus, it's not, yeah, I believe he died and rose. The devil believes that. It's saying, I believe he's who he said he is. And it affects and impacts my life and how I do life. You, you Listen, here's how so many people live. We, he says, don't live by sight. We live by what we can see. But by sight means a lot more than that. We live by how we can understand things. Here's the problem in Ruston. We have a lot of in- intelligent people, and that's a great thing. But it's causing you to stumble. You can't figure God out. You can't ever understand everything the Bible's teaching. There's a lot of people in hell today who say, oh, I just couldn't figure it out, so I wouldn't accept it. God is God, and you're not. You can't live by intellect. You can't live by what you see. Here's where most of us, this live by 
sight versus faith. We live by our feelings. When we're fired up for Jesus, we're doing great. And we're in church and we're reading our Bible. But when we don't feel it, we don't come to church. We don't pray. We don't read our Bible. And we just make that, that decline go quickly downhill. You don't live by feeling. You don't live by sight. You don't live by what you can figure out or win in an argument. You live by your faith and your trust and your confidence in Jesus Christ. You live with eternity. See, living by faith is big picture living. Churches fight over little stuff. Marriages a lot of times split over little stuff. We get mad over silly stuff. But Christians who live victoriously, people who become Christians and live victoriously, we're thinking about the big picture. We're thinking about eternity. And we're never forgetting God is with us every step of the way. Do you believe that? God's with you every step of the way. Man. Second Corinthians four eighteen right above this says as we look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. I want to read you a few verses from a great story in the Old Testament at Second Kings chapter fifteen through seventeen. This is a prophet named Elisha and his servant. Listen to what happens. When the servant of the man, the servant of Elijah, rose early in the morning and he went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, my master, what shall we do? Because these are bad people who are going to cut their ears and their noses off. And he said, don't be afraid for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Hold that there for just a second. That's easy for Elijah to say, isn't it? I mean, the servant didn't see anybody else there. But God, for some reason, gave this man insight to what was going on that he couldn't see in verse 17. In verse 17, it says, Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open the eyes of this man that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw that the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around him. Here's what he couldn't see to this point. There was a lot of enemy around him, but the angels of God were surrounding the enemies. Man, I wish, don't you wish God would allow you and I to see that sometimes? Maybe he will, maybe he won't, but whether I see it or not, It's true. God always outnumbers the bad guys. How would it change your game? You're laying in bed at night and you're afraid. Something's in your closet. I can still get paranoid about that occasionally. That's why I sleep with dogs. And my wife, who's beautiful, but we have boxers. They're like great dogs in the bed with you. But to them, a squirrel and an axe murderer, the bark is the same. That's the only problem. How does it change your game when you go into a situation where you're outnumbered, you're outgunned, and you got ten of the strongest, biggest people you know right around you? You get bold, don't you? You get confident. You ever thought about this? Wherever you go, God's with you. You ever thought about that? You ever thought in every situation you go in, if you follow Jesus Christ and you're where you need to be, that the Lord your God is with you every step of your way. Who, who do you know that can defeat God? Oh, I know some atheist on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, right. We'll check on that about 200 years from now. Every situation you go into, man, God is with you. This is, a, it almost seems silly to bring this up, but I think it may help some of you. You ever feel lonely? You ever feel like you're alone? Sometimes you can be in a crowd, a lot of people. 
and feel alone. I remember when I was a young Christian, I, I had gone to see one of my friends that lived in another state. I mean, it's many, many years ago. And he's a great guy. He just wasn't very emotionally intelligent or tuned in. And so I'm spending a weekend with him, and we go out someplace with some of his friends, and there's like 10 of his friends and me, and I'm kind of left out. And I'm like, you know, men aren't supposed to be lonely and act like that they're not a part of the group, so I had to put on a tough front. But I was like, man, I, and I wanted to leave. And this is before you had cell phones. If you had a cell phone, you just sit there, you know, do like that, and, and you don't have to deal with any anxiety or social awkwardness, right? And then this verse that I'd memorized popped in my mind, Hebrews 13, 5. It says at the end of it, for I will never leave you for, nor, nor forsake you. And it's like God said, hey, I know you feel lonely right now, but I'm right here with you. And I'm not going anywhere. That's living by faith. I want to challenge you this morning. Start living by faith, man. That, that's where the victorious life is found. That's where boldness is found. See, faith not only is a comforter and a security, but faith is where the excitement and the risk are. There was a, a writer, a Christian writer, who said this, and I think this is right on. He says, as a Christian, you can either live a life of risk or waste your life. Wow. You can even either live a life of risk or you can waste your life. See, a lot of us are in a rut. And, and remember, the only difference in a rut and a grave is a few feet. We're comfortable. We don't want to move. We don't want to change. And, and we're, we're, we're happy just to die right where we are. That's why a lot of Christians, churches, places are just dead. God's not called you to sit and waste. God has called you to move forward and take new ground until he takes you to heaven. And to live a life of risk demands that you live a life of faith. Let me, let me say this with you again. You can have a victorious life. You can have a victorious life, but it, it demands that you live a life of positive boldness and of faith. Let me give you the third thing that God says here this morning, that, that not only do we live these two ways, but we live a life to please God. Now, aren't all these things pleasing God? Yes, but I want to I narrow this down for you in just a second. We, we, we live a life where we're aiming in all that we do to bring glory to God. Look in verse 9. So whether we are at home or away, in other words, whether we're alive or dead, we make it our aim to please God. Now, I don't think, Paul's not saying there, when we get to heaven, we're going to have to strive to please God. I think that's going to just be who we are. I think he's kind of given a whatever kind of hypo, hypothetical thing that the, the person who follows Jesus, their whole goal for here and for eternity is to please and honor God. But let's look at this verse. We make it our aim to please God. We make it our aim. That phrase, make it our aim, is, is a tremendous. It means our constant, that's very important, our constant ambition, what we're laboring for, what we're striving for, the Greek Bible literally says we are ambitious in the right sense. We are eager to please God. What, what we are shooting, shooting at, what we're aiming at is to please Him. And that phrase, please Him, means to live in a way that God recognizes, accepts, and that God looks at your life and smiles and He's saying, well done. Isn't that neat? Paul says, my life, is on a trajectory, my aim, my bullseye is to please God 
in everything I do. Paul said, I have a target and I'm aiming my life at that target. And my target is to bring honor and glory to God in everything I do. Let me ask you this morning, are you aiming at anything with your life? Most of us aren't. I, I think it's not necessarily negative. We're just not, we're just living from day to day. I got to go to work tomorrow. I got to go to class tomorrow. I got to do this. I gotta, you know, we, we don't, we don't have a direction. We kind of live by that ready, shoot, aim philosophy, don't we? That's funny, isn't it? We don't want our security people at the church operating that way, do we? Ready, shoot, aim, you ready, aim, shoot. Can y'all say that with me? Because I don't think you got the joke. Ready, aim, shoot. So what you're doing with your life and what I do with my life too often is that we're, we're just shooting and then we're going back later and re-aiming and we're not hitting anything. If you aim at nothing, you know what? You're absolutely not going to hit it. Here's your target. You decide with your life that you're going to point your life to please God in everything that you do, that you're going to bring honor. You go, man, that's impossible. We're talking about, we're talking about the direction, not perfection. About direction, not perfection, that you want to bring glory and honor to God in everything that you do in your life. Now, how do we do that? I read a lot. Some of you read a lot. And you, you'll read sometimes that, that writers will, will, uh, will, will talk about how, you know, bringing glory to God. I'm just going to move into this new neighborhood and bring glory to God. It's kind of like, hum, you know, you just walk around. I'm going to bring honor to God. Hum, you know, there's, there's going to look up to the sky and, Glory of God's just going to fall down like it did on Moses on the mountain or something like that. This is not mystical. It's difficult, but it's not mystical if we aim at it. What are you aiming at this morning? I'm going to tell you how to aim at God in a second. Here's what we're aiming at in Ruston. And this will be true in Shreveport and Dallas everywhere else. We're aiming at money. We're aiming at the next level of our jobs for power. We're aiming for the lake or the deer. All these things are fine to aim at. They just need to be in the right order. We're aiming at our family. Family's great. Doesn't need to be before God. We're aiming at our kids. Uh, we want our kids to be something maybe we weren't, so we focus all of our, our direction. That's not good. We're aiming at popularity. We're aiming at a relationship. If I'm just married, I'll be happy. God says, here's what I want you to aim at. I want you to aim your life to please me in all that you do. How do you do that? If you're taking notes, write Matthew 22 down. Matthew 22, verse 34 through 40. Matthew 22, 34 through 40. Jesus was asked, what's the most important thing? He gave two. He didn't give just one. He said, here's the most important thing. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. How do, our, our theme as a church, our purpose is to love, win, and grow. Here it comes from this. You want to please God? You love God with all your heart. You obey Him. You serve Him. You worship Him. That's what loving God means. That you're aiming your life towards that. Then you love people. You love, it's in pie in the sky. This is, this is not complicated. It's just difficult. You love people. You win people to Jesus Christ. You help them grow in Christ. You grow up in Christ. You serve people. But if you'll take your life, you'll live it boldly, you'll live it by faith, and you'll point your life, how am I pleasing God? You go to the restaurant today, and your food is 30 minutes late and it's cold. Think, think about your response. 
and how it will please God or not please God. The person in front of you is on their phone texting and that light's been green for 15 seconds. I know what you want to do. But, but gently honk and smile and say, God loves you, please move. I will bump you in the name of Jesus. Don't act like an idiot. I'm sorry, don't act like an idiot and think you're honoring God. Don't be mean and say, praise Jesus at the end of it, and that makes everything okay. I love you, but, ooh, duck when you hear that. Aim your life to please God. Irenaeus was an early leader in the Christian church, not far from Jesus' death and resurrection. Listen to what he said, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit. He said, the person who lives passionately to please God, whose, whose, whose passion is to please and honor God, is the person who lives fully. <laughs> Isn't that great? The man or the woman, the young person, and young people, the quicker you get a hold of this, you aim your life to please God. That, that's your passion. You will live life to the fullest. This week, I, I got a, an, an email from a former church member friend, Riley Geis, your Uncle Dallas Geis in Oklahoma. And it was an article from the Journal of Psychology this, this previous August, August 2018. And it was titled, Friending God. Friending God. And I read a lot of the article, and it was certainly not written by Christians from a Christian perspective, which made it more interesting to me because they were recognizing some things. They said lonely people are people who are not real social by nature, who connect with God. It meets needs in their life. It gives them purpose. It it gives them direction. It gives them a meaning, meaning for their life. And I thought, how understated that is. And it's not just lonely people or antisocial people. It's everyone in this room. If you will truly friend God, and I don't mean in some kind of shallow way, but I mean you will surrender your life to Him. And you as Christians who have surrendered your life to Him, you'll stay close to Him. You'll come back to Him. And because and God sent you the friend request, you just got to accept it and take it. And that you will, you will make living for Him by faith and with boldness and aiming to please Him, letting Him be your Lord and your Master and all you do. Man, listen, I want to tell you, God's going to give you a victorious life for eternity, but not only for eternity, but for the here and now He's going to. The question always is, though, is will, will we do that? Will we do that? So odd that give, God gives us the choice, but He does. I just pray we'll make the right choice now. See, you can live a victorious life if you'll do the right things. Let's pray. This morning, if you're a Christian, you need to to put yourself in the right place with God. I pray you'll do that now. I pray you'll come back to God, do whatever you need to do. If, if you're not a Christian, you're unsure if you are, but, but you're ready to cross that line with Jesus to truly friend God and accept that friend request, pray with me and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to repent of my sins. And Jesus, I, I believe that you're God's son and that you died and arose for me. 
come into my heart and I surrender my life to you. Let me have your attention. We're going to stand in a moment and when we do, maybe you just ask Jesus to come into your life or you're ready to do so. When we stand, would you come today? If that's hard for you, I'll meet you over here after church. But don't leave the building today without coming to Christ. Give your life to Jesus this morning. Maybe you'd like to join the church. You can do that after church too. Or you can, when we stand, you can come and join us. You need a church family. Come and join us today. You're a Christian. Maybe you're doing great with this. Keep it up. Maybe, maybe you've lost that boldness, that walking by faith, that target of pleasing God with your life. Get right with the Lord today. Maybe it'll be where you're standing. Maybe you want to come pray with a minister, pray at the altar. But let's stand. As God leads you, you come. We'll be waiting.